So, hi, Alison. Um, thank you so much for coming on and having a chat with me. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Oh, amazing. Um, first question. I wanted what the dangers in using menstruation as a way to draw a line to womanhood is. Yeah, so the, the main danger of this feminization of menstruation um, is that it can validate and harm individuals who don't identify with womanhood or femininity. Um, so this harm could be mental, emotional, and even lead to physical harm. Um, so for example, people who identify as non-binary, um, trans men, or intersex can feel degraded or that they aren't... Um, that they aren't enough of a woman because they don't menstruate because that menstruation is tied to womanhood. Um, it can also be harmful for people who do identify as a woman, but don't menstruate. So like trans men, even postmenopausal women, um, mm -hmm. as if they're somehow less of a woman for not menstruating. So it's, it's those two different kind of sides of that. Yeah. So Kenny Ethan Jones, the famous trans activist from the UK has said that people's still are reluctant to the idea that it's not only women that experience periods. Is this something that you encounter with your work at period? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. So while period itself as an organization um, is very gender inclusive in its language and programming, um, there is still pushback in like the broader menstrual equity space that only women menstruate. And most of those ideas are rooted in either transphobia or this exclusionary white feminism, um, where those women see the inclusion of these other identities as somehow lessening the voices of cis women or like, like decentering women has been um, the narrative in the US at least. Hmm. I was wondering if you could help our listeners to understand a few terms that are going to crop up in this discussion. So first of all, what is gender dysphoria? Yeah, so gender dysphoria um, is known as kind of the discomfort or anxiety that might occur in people whose gender identity is different from their sex assigned at birth um, or even sex-related physical characteristics, how they present or operate in the world. Mm. And secondly, what are some of the ways in which trans people are excluded when it comes to menstruation? Yeah, so really trans people are excluded in spaces of menstruation, not only like socially when we're looking at who do we think of who typically menstruate, who do we see in promotions or product marketing, um, when labels are, when aisles are labeled as feminine care, feminine hygiene, um, or packages are all pink, like that immediately is geared towards a certain population that all people who menstruate don't, don't fall into. Um, but then there's more like systematic and structural things. So when there's no products in male restrooms or even waste bins, where if people are menstruating and using male restrooms, they have no place to safely dispose of their products. Yes. Ah. Um, in your own words, is it important? Why is it so important to have a more inclusive idea of gender, especially around societal issues of menstruation? Yeah, well, I think it's important to have a more inclusive idea um, of gender specifically with menstruation um, because anyone who menstruates 
deserves to have their own health supported and promoted in these societal norms and structures. Um, no one wants to feel left out and no one wants to feel like an other, um, especially when it's something that's so biological and unavoidable for some people. Um, I talked about that. I mentioned that like that physical harm that can come that's not only emotional or mental. So if you have that such intense societal shame, it can lead people to avoid purchasing products altogether, um, which then can like lead to mismanagement of periods and other health hazards um, that like trans and non-binary persons can encounter. Um, menstruation, it's just, it's a full mind body experience that all identities deserve to experience like without those shame, without those barriers. Mm, absolutely. What are some of the ways in which those who are fighting for this positive shift in periods, what can we do to be more inclusive? Yeah, I mean, the first thing that that comes to mind, I think the biggest is just the language that we use. Um, no, no one's perfect. And I know that I, I've been doing this work for about two or three years now. Um, and I still catch myself saying things every day. Um, but just using gender neutral terms, whether it's menstruators, people who menstruate, um, or even saying like menstrual health or menstrual products, rather than that ties to femininity of feminine health, feminine hygiene, um, is honestly the, the biggest way to kind of be more inclusive um, in the narrative around menstruation. And then another one I would say is just inclusion in, in research and in articles, podcasts, news stories, um, all of those media promotions, because trans voices are often silenced and left out in that. And so how do we know the best way to support people if we don't even know their experiences to begin with? Yes. Yeah. In the UK, we've had very slow improvements of in gender neutral bathrooms and um, finding menstrual products in male and female bathrooms is still mostly unheard of. What are some of the other ways that businesses and individuals can support transgender people and those of non-conforming gender identities who are menstruating to feel more comfortable without invading their privacy or challenging their gender identity? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think just to start off is like to just check your biases and those assumptions. Um, if you see someone, it's really, really easy to make a quick snap judgment. Um, but just kind of not assuming that you have to like, especially cater to anyone because of their identities of whether they menstruate or not. Um, just having blanket access um, to those products, to those systems is really the first step in that. Um, and then additionally, allowing trans and non-binary persons to see themselves as menstruators. So like for businesses specifically, making sure that you're using inclusive photography and not just having like, like cisgendered white women on your, your packaging or on your social media, um, but including even like people, including people of color, including trans and non-binary bodies in those promotions, um, one allows society to kind of get used to that and get exposed to that if they aren't exposed to trans people menstruating in their everyday life, but then also allows trans and non-binary persons to see themselves as menstruators, to see that those products are made for them and that they are part of that community. Um, I know myself, I found like great strength in having that community of people who menstruate throughout my entire life. Um, and it, it, it makes me sad to think that all people don't have that same community, those same ties to that. 
Yeah, those are some really, really interesting points um, that I totally agree with. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. Um, and lastly, are there any active projects or campaigns that need support that you're aware of? Yeah, I mean, honestly, the best way to support um, like trans and non-binary non-binary menstruators is looking at like GoFundMe's. Um, so a lot of them will be raising money um, on their own for like gender affirming surgeries or like access to resources. So that's a great way to support like individuals directly. Um, also looking at your local LGBTQIA+, whatever combination of that organizations, because um, those are really the groups that are doing that on the ground work in those communities. They know who has access, who doesn't have access, and how to get those people the access that they need to the resources. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Of course. Thank you for having me. I, I really enjoyed getting to talk about this today. <laughs> yeah. I mean, is there anything you wanted to add that hasn't been covered already? Um, as far as I can think of, I feel like I feel like we covered everything. Um, it really is just kind of checking, checking your biases, looking at the language that we're using. Um, it may seem like like something small, um, but those language changes can just bring that that societal comfort that then we can work towards that structural. So if we're comfortable saying like menstruators and yes, trans men menstruate, then we can put legislation into place. We can put those structural systems in the place to actually support those people with very like tangible resources. Yeah, that's, that's a really, really good point. And it's, it's something that I have been aware of, but I'm really glad that it has been brought to my attention. So I do find myself now checking before I assume mm -hmm. something. Um, and I think it's, it's a learning curve, definitely. And it's, a, it's an ongoing process, um, but it, it's nice that we've got people working with organizations like your organization period um, to educate and, and just support really helpful yeah definitely no I know I'm learning I'm learning every day and I, I work in this space every day um, <laughs> so there's always always more to learn always room to grow with it when it comes to inclusivity brilliant I think that was a really strong place to end <laughs> <laughs> perfect <laughs>